The following is a Barrett Sports Media production. Every sports media star has a story. From the highs... We are number one. We just grabbed every key demographic. <laughs> to the lows... You're fired! The path to success is always different. To help you learn more about the industry's top broadcasters, Barrett Sports Media brings you the Sports Talkers Podcast. Now, here's your host... Stephen Strong. The sharp, dynamic, talented, and humorous Rob Parker of Fox Sports joins us today on the Sports Talkers Podcast. Welcome in, everybody. We talk about his childhood in Queens, breaking into sports radio, a hilarious story about Lou Pinella chasing him down the locker room after a story he had written in Cincinnati. Of course, his relationship with Chris Broussard. He is the co-host of The Odd Couple on Fox Sports with Chris, so we talk about him and their relationship and some of the actions and comments that Rob has made and maybe regrets a little bit throughout his career. I hope you guys enjoy this candid conversation that we had with Rob Parker. But first, as always, rate, subscribe, and review the Sports Talkers podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts, BarrettSportsMedia.com, Spotify. We're everywhere. Shout out to JB for taking care of us. Uh, Again, it's an open and candid conversation with Rob Parker that starts right now. All right, so you're a Queens guy. I'm from Jersey. A little bit different, obviously, but talk to me a little bit about your childhood and and your passion for sports that fermented into sports broadcasting. Yeah, you know, it actually started uh, pretty early um, growing up in New York and just being a sports guy, sports fan growing up and the teams that I just watched everything on television, every game that came on, baseball, football, basketball, Hockey. I was a big Islanders fan growing up. When they when I when I was growing up, they won four Stanley Cups. So I watched every game that came on. I just was in the sports. And I can remember being in second grade and my teacher, Miss Noble, pulled me aside from class one day. So when you're in second grade, you're seven years old. And she said to me, You should be a writer when you grow up because you're such a, a great writer. And I thought, okay, I took it, put it in the back of my head. Time went on. I used to watch this old TV show called The Odd Couple. You know, it's oh a gosh. Uh, uh, old sitcom from the 70s. And Jack Klugman had to, a role as Oscar Madison as a sports columnist. And Felix, he was sloppy. And Felix Unger was a photographer who was neat. And I used to watch that show. And I said, man, Oscar Madison, that's the job I want. I want to go to all the games for free, travel the country, eat free food. And that was really how I got into it. So by the time I was nine or 10, I was reading three newspapers every day. The Daily News on the way to school, the New York Post on the way home. And then when I got home from school, I had a newspaper route. And I used to deliver the local paper, the Long Island Press. And I would read it first and then go deliver the paper. So I was really into sports and reading and a newspaper. And that's really how uh, I got interested in, in the business. And I used to have a tape recorder, an old reel-to-reel tape recorder, and I would just sit there and write sportscasts and deliver them into my tape recorder, play them to my family. So it's it's deep-rooted. It didn't happen overnight. (laughs) It was from the very beginning. That's a fantastic story, Rob. And I also I want to hit on the reading the newspaper because I think a lot of people, um, you know, start. I, I remember doing that in school as well. But my thing was, how do I balance? you know, being myself, my authentic self versus taking, you know, some of these things and these writers, some of the writers you really look up to. How did you balance that, I guess, as you developed into your career of, okay, like I understand what the blueprint is, but now I got to make it 
uh, my writing. Right. Uh, I mean, you look at people, you know, to become a good writer, you should read and reading other people is good. But but you want to develop your own style. So somebody might have something that you think is good or you like the way they do it. Um, and you might I remember one that I stole from Bob Clappish, who was a uh, who's a baseball writer in Jersey now, but he was at the Daily News. He covered the Mets. And I remember him writing about a pitcher's ERA, and he called it a chubby. He had a chubby ERA of 4.51. I just thought that was what a, what a great way to describe so clever. Yeah. someone who has a, a chubby ERA. So when I went to Cincinnati and I became a Reds beat writer, um, I remember using that because I thought that was clever and I liked it, uh, chubby. But then you develop your own stuff, your own style as well, and you want to be authentic and be who you are. So you don't want to just copy other people and do what they do. You could take bits and pieces from people who you think are really good. And if you see stuff that people do that you don't like, say, I'm, I'm never doing that or I'm going to avoid being that kind of writer. So you can learn from other people, but ultimately you want to be yourself and be uh, authentic. So you went to Columbia and you also, I mean, you got your master's. Talk to me a little bit about through school, what your mindset was outside of academics how did you get i guess a foot in the door at a radio station or um a newspaper please be very in detail about these steps about how you make that jump or how you make those connections in college um well i was in college and i started to work part-time um you know i worked at the new haven register was my first job i went to southern connecticut state university in new haven connecticut and I went down and, and uh, applied to be yeah, work in the sports department. And I used to pick up the phone and take scores and write little recaps. And that was for five bucks, you know, five bucks an hour. If you could just, that's what they paid. I was so thrilled to have that job and work 10 or 15 hours a week. Um, and that was my break at WELI in New Haven. I worked there uh, and learned the radio business. And I worked at uh, Channel 8, WTNH, which was an ABC station in, in New Haven, Connecticut. And again, I got a fill of all the ins and outs of television, you know, as an intern. And I can remember the first time I got to watch a game. And then the sportscaster's name is Ronnie Duncan. He's now in Detroit. And... Uh, he allowed me to write the highlights. And so a guy in the football game that I was watching had like an 85-yard touchdown run. So again, WTNH Channel 8 was an ABC station. So I wrote in the highlights, you know, Joe Smith took the handoff and ABC you later, an 85-yard <laughs> touchdown run. And, and he read it on the air. And you don't know what thrill I got. Being a college kid, he liked it. So that was my own style. I made that up. And then later on, when I became a TV sportscaster in Detroit, I worked for the NBC station, Channel 4. And so whenever somebody hit a home run and I was doing highlights, I'd go, you know, Miguel Cabrera came up and NBC you later, a three-run <laughs> home run to right field. And that became a thing. People would see me around town in Detroit. Every time they saw me, they would say, all right, NBC you later. And it became a thing. Talk to me a little bit about working with Chris and, and why you guys uh, just seem to uh, you guys just seem to work. You guys are as odd as they come, but 
the radio show is fantastic. Well, thank you. Um, Chris and I have known each other since 1992. What is that? 26 years or so? 20. Yeah. Uh, 26, 27 years. And we've known each other because we travel and say, you know, sports writers, it's a small circle of people. It's like a, it's a fraternity. fraternity. So, so, you know, everybody, you really do. Um, and Chris and I used to be on first take together. and We worked at ESPN the same time. We worked at Fox FS1 together. So we've always kind of been around each other and, you know, been on the set together. And how we got together, and we are the odd couple. It's not like a made-up stage name. We're, we're different people. Chris is a family man, religious man, you know, great guy, wife, two kids. You know, I'm the slouch, divorce, no kids, you know, trying to hang out at the strip clubs. I mean, you know, like regular Joe eating chicken wings and hanging out and stuff like that. But um, uh, our boss, Don Martin, was listening to a podcast and Chris and I did, he had a basketball podcast and we got on there together and we just started going at it. And so Don Martin uh, stopped us both and said, I, I listened to the podcast. And at that time, Chris and I each had in a show with, with somebody else. I did a show on Saturday and Chris did a show on Sunday. We had the same partner, but we, we didn't work together. And so Don Martin was like, I heard the podcast you guys did. I, I don't understand why you guys aren't working together. Like, like the podcast was fantastic. Like he, and then Scott Shapiro, our, our other boss, was like, yeah, you guys work really well together. And, you know, we should put you guys together. So they, Don and Scott put us together. And um, it just took off. We did a Sunday show for about four or five months or something like that. And then we got a full-time show. And uh, it just works because we are different people. We naturally have a rub. And I think that's what makes for good radio. You don't want everybody preaching to the choir. Right. Some shows you got three guys and they all agree on everything. I mean, like, what, what kind of show is that? Yeah. Also, I think the thing about our show is people can claim our show. We take phone calls. Some of these shows, they talk for four hours. They don't want to hear from anybody. I think those are boring shows. And I think... Having people invest and claiming your your show, like, yo, that's my show. Rob and Chris listen to what I had to say, or they push back, or they agree with me. Like that, I think there's a place for that. You don't have to be all phone calls. People are looking for information, and they're looking to be entertained. So that's our, always is our goal, to be fun and informative. Fun. If you're having fun, people are going to be having fun. And you got to give them information and not just read ESPN.com and regurgitate what is up there. Anybody who's listening to sports talk radio probably already read the stuff. On right. ESPN. Teach me something when I, when I'm dialed in with you guys, teach me something that I, ha I didn't know before. 100%. And you know that there's times I'm sure when you li leave, listen to the odd couple, you go, I didn't know that. Right. I, wow. I didn't know that. Or that's interesting. Rob said something I never heard before. And that's what we're always striving for. You know, let people leave with something so that you can take that back to your circle of friends. And then you offer them up that information. And then they go, wow, yeah. Where'd you get that from? Oh, I listened to the odd couple on Fox Sports Radio. You hit it on the head. I mean, I, I completely agree about the caller thing. I mean, I, I, I grew up on WFAN and I thought the callers were such a big part of the show. And it does make you have this emotional connection with that show. 
you know, instead of just listening to someone, yeah, you know, yammer for three hours. So I completely agree. Uh, I want to get into just, you know, when you are uh, on the air as long as you are, there are going to be things that you say that you eventually have to take back. Do you have any of those uh, comments that you wish uh, you maybe wouldn't have said or you would have handled a little bit differently? Um, I mean, every so often. I mean, I, I you mean on radio or television or just in general? In general. Yeah, I mean, like, like you know, I was involved in the RG3 controversy at ESPN. You know, I, at the time... I didn't think it was going to be a firestorm, but you never really know because we had already talked about it in the pre-show meeting. I try to be as fair as I can. And normally there's, you know, when you do television, there are no surprises. You, you kind of flush out what you're going to talk about and whatnot. The producers know, the bosses know. So sometimes those things don't always come across the right way. Um, maybe, you know, maybe that situation could have been handled differently, but all the safeguards were there. So there was no reason for me to feel like I was doing something out of the pocket because I'd ex- express my thoughts to the bosses and the producers of the show. And so they already knew. Me, they knew. So there was no red flag from them. You know what I'm saying? Like it didn't come across maybe that way to people who were just watching at home. Maybe we didn't think that we were crossing a line or whatever, but I would say, yeah, I, I, my goal is not to be, controversial from the standpoint of trying to hurt people or make them feel bad. I just want to give them an honest opinion of a situation. There's too many guys on television now who are all, you know, compromised and friends and in bed with each other. And they go to the same, they went to the same school. They play for the same team. They have the same agent. So you're not getting an honest, fresh take a lot of times on these guys because they're compromised. They, they just can't they can't give you an honest take because their boy is going to be upset or the team that they used to play for won't invite them to the Christmas party. Do you know? Do you know what I mean? Like, like yeah, what? what and my of- next question would be to you. Who do you think out there does a good job of doing that, of keeping it real, keeping it authentic? No, no well, matter. Just the, the Charles Barkley. That's why the players don't like him. And that's why he's just the, the king of the hill. It's because he. He's going to call it like he sees it. So a lot of players don't want to deal with him or, you know, or, or oh, he's bitter. He's an old man, all that kind of stuff. No, Charles is just keeping it real. So he's at But the, Charles at also the has the luxury of saying pretty much whatever he wants because right. teams have allowed saying, him to but, do so. But, 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 but the idea that he would call, you know, uh, he would call uh, Anthony Davis street clothes because he's always <laughs> – I mean, most guys wouldn't go that way. I'm just saying. So I think Charles is – is the gold standard. And I, I appreciate his honesty. I covered Charles Barkley when he was in the NBA and I've known him since the eighties. And I just think he's authentic. Absolutely. I think we all can agree on that. Two more left and we'll get you out of here, Rob. We appreciate the time. Uh, what's, uh, what's the most angry a player or coach has been with you? Lou Pinella. Uh, I was covering the Cincinnati Reds. This was in 91 or 92, 91. And uh, the players weren't happy. They won the World Series in 1990. Lou just was, they struggled the next year, and Lou was ornery. And some of the players privately said to me, man, it ain't fun playing for Lou. And so I was intrigued by it. So I wound up writing this story. And, you know, the players didn't want to be quoted because they thought that, that Lou would. So I thought it was an important enough story to write, to take the brunt by using some unnamed sources and information. And that the players really, 
there was a three or four of them. So it wasn't just one disgruntled guy. It was a lot of guys. So write this story. We're in St. Louis. And um, the headline on the story was Sweet Lou, which was his nickname. Yep. Sweet Lou. Sweet Lou turned sour. So we're in the clubhouse before the game against the Cardinals in St. Louis. And Lou runs out of his office. Somebody had faxed him a copy of the column that I wrote that was in the Sunday paper. And he ran out of his office, huffing and puffing, and, you know, yelled, get your effing ass <laughs> in my office right now. The whole Everybody's getting dressed, you know, for the game. Yeah. The whole place stopped in the, in the clubhouse, like the players. It was a big moment in my career right there because if I would have backed down, you know, the players would have been like, ah, he, he just backed down as soon as Lou came out and, you know, started yelling and screaming. So I, I, I took my time. I turned around. He was behind me. Turned around. I grabbed my shirt and I said, do I have a red uniform on? Oh You're not gosh. my boss. I don't play for you. And I'm not going to your office. All that yelling and screaming doesn't do, mean anything to me. You want to have a conversation, we can have a conversation. He calmed down. We went to his office. We talked. He yelled. I yelled at him. We talked it out. I said, Lou, you can be mad at me as a messenger, but these are your players. This is what they're telling you. They don't want to tell you to your face. So they use me to get your, their message across. Okay, so think about that. He says it's over, whatever. So we go on with the seat about a month later, three weeks later, in front of the whole, you know, media core in uh, Cincinnati, Lou says, you know that column Rob wrote about me about three weeks, month ago? Right. I need to change. I can't manage the same way I used to. I need to treat people as individuals. When I was coming up, that's how managers manage everybody the same way. It's not that way anymore. And I, and I need to change. I, I have the utmost respect for Luke Pinella. Oh my Not gosh. only did he admit it, but he, you know, yelled at me in front of all of my peers, but he also apologized and, you know, and, and recognized in front of all my peers. He could have right. done it privately, could have called me and that nobody else would have known. And the only thing they would know is that Lou yelled at me. So I have a lot of respect for Luke Pinella. I was glad that he was the manager, and I was able to cover him when I was in Cincinnati. That was one of my favorite jobs, covering baseball in Cincinnati. Yeah. Um, so that was my that's my story. I love that. What a story, Rob. Last one, we'll let you go. Um, just when it's all said and done, and we hope you're you're doing this for 50 more years, Rob. Uh, what Not you... that many. No, no, no. I got to let the young guys. <laughs> don't, don't you want a job? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Okay. You, yeah. So, so, so maybe, I'm not going to be here long. There you go. All right. Fair enough. Um, you know, when it's all said and done, I guess, when you hang up, uh, the mic, uh, what do you want people like me or just dudes that or anyone that listened to you kind of describe to other people if they ask, what was Rob Parker like? Rob Parker was so much fun on the radio. His sense of humor, the way he came up with things, and I also loved how unconventional he was. And that guy made me do two things whenever I listen to Rob Parker on the radio. He made me laugh and he made me think. And that's all you want to do uh, in, in radio is, is be entertaining and informative. That's the goal. You know, just reciting stats, being an analytics geek, people don't want to hear that. They want some color, some flavor, put some seasoning on the meat. That's the way you do good radio. 
And a huge shout-out to Rob Parker for joining us today on the Sports Talkers Podcast. Make sure to follow him on Twitter at RobParkerFS1. And again, in your car, your smartphone, Fox Sports Radio, uh, Odd Couple, Chris Broussard, and Rob Parker, they do a tremendous show. Everyone, enjoy the rest of their week. Enjoy your weekend. And we will talk to you next Thursday here on the Sports Talkers Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Sports Talkers Podcast with Stephen Strong. A reminder that each episode can be found on iTunes, Spotify, and most podcasting platforms. To stay up to date on future episodes, visit BarrettSportsMedia.com.